Hello? Hello? It's all around us. can't do any real complaining had a crazy trip last weekend that is beyond going into here um you know just things etc so on but um i have you back with me this week because we are going to be interviewing Susie lennox who runs this fantastic blog about body snatching which is digging up 1800.com because numbers and words aren't working real well for me today dead bodies <laughs> yay yes. and uh to preface this we should probably cover this real quickly before because we were talking before the show that you have a window in your house that when the wind blows oh. on it makes fart noises is this correct <laughs> yes and unfortunately i discovered this during a very important uh important Apparently, I'm having trouble with words as well. Uh, work meeting. So Zoom presentation and in the background was a long, extended fart-like noise. And fart so like noise. <laughs> it is the weirdest thing. I just need to get the windows replaced before I get to the point where I'm just unpromotable. You have gassy windows. Yes, because we can't have her pre presenting to the sea levels and so on and so forth without her just letting a long one rip. So, so what you're saying is if we hear a fart in the background coming from your direction, it was not you. It was your windows. Have you tried gas X or Beano's yet? Wow. Really? Yeah. 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 You really got to go there? I do. I do. Yeah. <laughs> it's the window. <laughs> So anyways, this episode is going to be about all things grave robbing. We're going to talk about, hopefully, how much money did a person make grave robbing? How did a person go about robbing graves? Grave robbing prevention? Uh, hopefully some famous grave robbers in history. Again, this isn't going to be one of those woo-woo episodes. This, this is such a creepy and strange topic on its own that it doesn't need to be... Um, the strangeness of it of it doesn't need to be accentuated. You know, it's it's already an interesting and weird topping on its own. Topping. Topic. Oh my God. We're going to do great today. We're going to do so fantastic. You know why? Because I'm recording at 3 o'clock. You're recording three hours, two hours earlier than me. And Susie is out of the UK. So she's five hours ahead of us. Putting this show together with time zones and you two people was was a lot of effort. This was a lot of fun. It involved maths and words. So... Anyways, maths, words, farts, maths, and dead words, bodies. Dead bodies Naturally, and fart noises. Naturally, it's us that we'll be talking about this. Absolutely. There's no better place to go to get your fart dead body fix than Project Archivist. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> 
I guess let's uh, let's get her on the line and jump into this. Is there anything you want to say before we uh, go full blown into digging up bodies, or uh, are we good, or what? Let's go. All right, here we go. The Natural Born Alchemist podcast is a podcast that covers topics like alchemy, shamanism, psychedelics, anarchism, and philosophy. Join Alex, that's me, and a multitude of guests on a quest to discover the nature of reality, of spirit, and of consciousness. Each episode will also introduce you to new music that you might never have heard before. You can find the podcast on most platforms. Simply search for Natural Born Alchemist or go directly to naturalbornalchemist.com. There you'll be able to find all the social media links as well. Freedom is in the mind. This week we have with us Susie Lennox from the amazing blog diggingup1800.com which is a blog entirely dedicated to grave robbing. I like what you do because it's not presented in a woo-woo, overly spooky kind of way. It's um, We were talking before the show that we weren't going to do it that way because this is a, a strange enough topic on its own. It's very macabre and dark as it is, so there's no real need to try to like like spooky it up with ghosts and things like that because the history behind it is strange enough as it is and your site is just so freaking loaded with information this is one of those sites that's done very well it's beautiful and you can come here and just get lost for hours reading this stuff because your your research is very very well documented and very well done and it looks beautiful so welcome to project archivist how are you today gosh thank you that's quite a big up there Uh, I'm I'm on it constantly. You you say that like you know you could get lost in it. That's that's exactly what I'm like. I mean, crakey. I I'm one of these people that get up at crazy o'clock in the morning, and I do a couple of hours before I go to work, and uh, I just get absorbed in the thing completely. So I've been doing it since about t- what 2005 probably. Mm-hmm. So over 15 years, and I'd still have a massive, massive amount of interest in the whole thing. And I can tell you how I started, if you, if you want me to. It was my dissertation for my um, undergrad uh, at uni. I was doing a history degree, and we came to dissertation time, and everybody was doing about the, the war, World War One and World War Two. And I thought, oh, interesting as it is, I haven't got, haven't got 10,000 words in me for that. And um, I can appreciate about, that. Yeah. <laughs> I thought about doing baby farming, and I thought, oh, you know, I wanted something. What I wanted, was aiming for was to to let the lecturers sit up and, like, you know, really kind of get the teeth into something. My lecturer gave me, I don't know if you've heard of it, Ruth Richardson's Death Dissection in the Destitute, which if you haven't read it, it's got to be at the top of your, your hit list if you're a body-snatching uh, enthusiast like I am. He gave me that and he said, here, Susie, read Chapter 3, I think it was, which was who made the corpse a commodity, and off I went, came back to him, Glenn, with a puzzled look and said, I don't really get what you're trying to tell me. Um, and he said, go, go read it again, and, and I did, and I came back, and I've, ever since then, I've been absolutely hooked on it, um, and I dropped it into the, my dissertation into the box um, when I finished my, my degree, and uh, <laughs> the look on the lecturer's face when <laughs> When they said, what's the title of your dissertation? Oh, no. <laughs> it was quite uh, sad. Yes, wait, at least you're going to read it. <laughs> was that just a play on words? You're hooked on body snatching? <laughs> Say that again, sorry. I was saying you're hooked 
on body oh snatching because <laughs> I learned about how one gets a body out of a grave uh, during a tour in uh, Dublin. And I was absolutely horrified. Oh, so no, I think I think America has slightly different technique to to us. I was talking to somebody recently and they were saying about uh, I don't know if you you know um, on it was on your program, actually, um, Haunted Ohio box, Chris Woodyard. Mm -hmm. We regularly have a bit of a chat about body snatching. And she's saying about the, the hook went under the cadaver's chin and pulled it out. Of the of the coffin of the grave that way, where with us it was kind of um, it was more of a rope technique. They did use hooks, more of a um, I suppose what you could get your hands on really. So hooks would have gone under the armpits, dug into like the burial shroud first, and then into the skin and pulled out that way, or you would have had a rope around the the neck or under the armpits. Now I can't help but think that at some point. I don't know if you, you guys know how to get the body out of the ground in the first place. I mean, you've got to... You know what? Let's, why not? Let's, let's talk let's about go it. Well, right to the beginning. Let me ask you this first. Let's ask, Tell me. What, what were the resurrectionist men? Because that, that's the term, I guess, that, that would probably be more to start as what exactly what res resurrectionists were and what grave robbing actually was. So okay. what is the term resurrectionist? Okay, so a resurrectionist, is, they were really mainly known as body snatchers. Resurrectionist because you're resurrecting the body from the grave. That's where the word comes from. But mainly called body snatchers. Sack em up men comes quite common, certainly in Ireland. Um, corpse stealers as well. And they're mainly, well, they are men who stole cadavers for the anatomy schools so that they could learn um, the human human body, human anatomy, is for the students. So around 1750, 1752, you get the, the rise of the um, private anatomy schools, um, certainly in London, and these are going unchecked. There's nobody to say, um, you know, hey, you know, we, we've got too many, or what kind of standard they're, they're pulling out. And to be honest, they were pulling out a very high standard of student. The proprietors of these um, of these schools, so like the likes of John Hunter, who was a famed anatomist in his day, had been over to Paris, studied over in Paris, um, and what's called the Paris method or Paris manner, and that's where every student had their own um, own cadaver to study on. So there was no body snatching in Paris or in France. They were using already the unclaimed dead, which is something that we looked at. Um, with the Anatomy Act of 1832, they were already doing it. So it, if any bodies were stolen, there was no monetary value in it. They um, So so all the Scottish anatomists uh, were, were graduating and going to, sorry, not graduating, they were going over to, to France and learning the trade, coming back and thinking, hey, you know, this is how I want to, to teach the students here, keep our students homegrown, as it were, um, and get them get them trained in 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 Scotland and in London and the only way to do that really was to attract them with the Paris method or manner and that was to provide a corpse for every student up until then legal supply is just is paltry compared to the numbers so you're looking at about six legally available cadavers and that's after the 1752 murder acts come into play 
it goes up to about oh, 12, 13 at an absolute push. And this is for all of the, the anatomy students across the board, just in England, um, but across the board. So it doesn't include all of these um, private anatomy schools that are, that are just, you know, um, popping up in London. That student numbers, I mean, crikey, some, um, oh, some schools were getting, you know, over, oh, gosh, what, about two, two, three, maybe four lectures a, a day. Um, at their absolute peak, um, maybe with over 50 to 100 students at each time. And if you think that they have to, or they're promising a cadaver for each um, each student, that's a heck of a lot of a heck of a lot of bodies yeah. that aren't. I actually have applied a legally. If I may clarify, what makes a body legal? In what do you case? mean? So, so, so a body a body didn't belong to anybody. Nobody owned a dead body, so you could steal it. The right. the only taboo surrounding it was really um, the, uh, the kind of like it, it was classed as a misdemeanor, and it was the the violation of a grave, and it was the the disgust for want of a better word that that's what you were doing. You were you know you were just stealing somebody. Um, you know, is immoral and and you know. The, um, so if a body is legal, does that mean that someone has specifically said, I want my body donated to science or what made it something? You said that uh, there's only like uh, five, six bodies that were legal mm. as opposed mm. to we we're very clear on what an illegal body is. So is this just <laughs> someone that has been, um, uh, for example, uh, Jeremy Bentham, he legally donated yes. himself so is that the same in the 1700s no so so with the um 1752 murder act i don't know if you know about that they if, if you were convicted of murder part of your sentence would have been after you've been hanged to go and be dissected anatomized and it was there's a couple of things there's a fear from from that um, that the normal person would be linked with um, the derogatory kind of st st stance or status of being um, treated like a convicted felon. There's also the belief that your um, body, if it was anatomized, it wouldn't go and meet the maker whole. So a lot of people didn't. You said about um, donating your body to science. That just really wasn't a thing because... The, the two stigmas attached to it, the, um, the ma mainly it was the Christian belief that came through first. So obviously before the the the, the murder act came in, the people there's an account and I can't remember the date where somebody had his leg amputated and he buried his leg, and then later on to go and be buried in the same grave afterwards, so that he would be, you know, complete and, and whole when he met his maker. So there was a lot of fear around that so people were just terrified of the whole process of being anatomized and it wouldn't um it, w it was yeah long long time before people started to donate and in fact other than bentham there's a few others of the couple of surgeons um which i can't remember off the top of my head but a couple of surgeons did donate their bodies to surgeons and also people sold their bodies to the body snatchers to go and sell on to the surgeons 
So to get the money that they would have, you know, so a, a definitely sets there. the stage for a demand for product. Oh, absolutely. Demand for product, yeah. I got to ask, (laughs) how much money did the average body snatcher make? And did they get paid per body, per size of body, age of body, condition of body? What, What were the mitigating factors to determine how much money a person made off of a body after they would go through the effort to get one of these things? Okay, so you've got to remember that there was there was a couple of camps here. You when you're getting dissected, you need to the the fresher the body, the better condition. So a young so somebody maybe who had committed suicide or died in a, an accident at work would have a better physique that somebody had died of old age. So the anatomist would have been able to to study the muscles and the the skeleton better than digging up an old person. That's not to say that old people didn't get dug up if the opportunity was there to be dug up you would have, you know, they would have taken it because you could have got something from it. The teeth would have been stolen as a matter of course, so you would have taken out the, taken the body out of the ground. If it wasn't fresh, this did happen. If it wasn't fresh, they would have knocked the teeth out with a bradle and sold these separately so you could get up to about a guinea. A set for teeth, the richer members of society are eating all their sugared products by now and their teeth are little little black stumps and they want them changing so the teeth that uh, the dentists are providing that are made of ivory and everything the, the color doesn't last very long they get quite easily stained so there is a big call for Ooh. real human teeth Ooh. oh oh <laughs> yeah it's quite dis- it's quite disgusting oh. you read some accounts where um, body snatches have been caught so this is another reason to knock them out straight away if you were caught you would have uh, put the teeth, um, so you've stolen the cadaver out of the, the grave. You First thing you do is knock the teeth out. I'm, I'm actually pushing, I don't know if you can hear me, like slamming my hand on <laughs> Knock the teeth out. You put the teeth in your pocket. The cadaver, either in a sack or over your shoulder, we'll get to that in a minute. And if you were caught or spotted, you ditched the, ca- the cadaver and you still had the teeth in your pocket. So it wasn't a wasted evening's work, if if you know what I mean. So going, but going back to your original question about um, what types of bodies they stole anything. If I don't know if you've heard of Irish giant Charles Byrne, he was um, uh, William Hunter's prized possession. Probably he um, was over seven foot tall, and he knew he was going to be targeted by the the resurrection men and the anatomists wanted him because he was so unusual he is in the uh oh, not royal college of surgeons Ontarian museum uh, in london there is a, a petition at the moment to try and get him uh, i was going to ask you is mm-hmm. he free yet that poor soul yeah i don't i don't it's gone very quiet here i don't know if um if anything's happened i haven't seen seen anything further i personally like to think that his wish was to be buried at sea so i would wish that that was going to happen as opposed to sending him back to ireland because even then you're not respecting his wishes do you, do you know what i mean it's uh yeah i actually know yeah, quite a bit about the case and his friends almost got him to sea almost almost yes but the lure of money is, yep. which is the root of all evil got the better of them and 500 pounds um, which I think is about 35000 in today's money, give or take, I think. But that was unusual. Okay, so the, on other cases that they were quite interested, certainly as time went on with um, phrenology, so anybody that died 
um, with the, like diseases of the brain or or, or, or skeleton like skull that would target but they didn't really that, that, gosh that's not an everyday occurrence and, and everyday snatching and body snatching would have been a nightly activity they targeted any any grave so the just the local the the local churchyard someone would have gone around scouting for cadavers usually on a sunday because the sunday is usually when the the burials took place because everybody's not at work so um what usually happened or often happened was a woman probably associated with the gang maybe it's the a wife of one of a gang member or or a partner would have gone around and pretended to be a mourner and she could have got closer into the actual you know the, the mourning circle as it were and find out about what the person died of. Did this die of natural causes? Was it an unusual disease? If it was an unusual disease, they'd you know, want to be there straight away because they'd get more money for it. Um, if it was, say, somebody that had died and ran over by a, by a cart or something, it may be that uh, maybe the body's not as, as usable as, you know, gosh, I'm going to say squashed, sorry. <laughs> But it might not be, uh, you know, as as profitable oh, for the surgeons to take it. Does that, do you know what I mean? Because it's it's ran over the structures within the body. But yeah, uh, but there is so in the beginning. So there's two peaks to body snatching. Um, from what I've discovered, anyway, it really starts off around, and we have the first one in 1678, which is our first recorded known. It happened today, actually. I put it on Twitter today, actually, of a gypsy, a gypsy boy, traveller boy, was stolen out of the grave. There was like a, a bit of a, like a clan dispute going on between two families in Edinburgh. And one of the, the male members of one of the clans was killed. And as, as penalty, they, they hung four of the, the men from this other clan. And uh, I can't remember. I know one of the, the gangs was called Fours, but I can't remember the other one. But they were buried, and in the middle of the night, the one of the 16-year-old boy was removed. It's thought, so in the morning when they went and had a look at the grave, he wasn't there. Some people say oh, he w- didn't hang properly, and he rose and, and you know went on his way. And other people say, no, he was he was a surgeon. And I've lost my train of thought, so I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're talking about how much, how much money people made off of these. How much money, that was it. Yeah, yeah so that was it. So that's when it started to, to really kind of... Trickle in, and you've got the opportunity opportunist, and there's just there's not much money changing hands. So by about eighteen ten, so things start to pick up around seventeen forty two. Is a huge riot in Edinburgh. Um, so between then and about eighteen ten, you're looking at about four pounds uh, in old money. So around one hundred ninety five pounds today. I don't know what that would be in in dollars. Um, around two seventy, I think. About two hundred seventy-five dollars the modern. All right, okay, okay. It's still, it's still a you know, it's a mean price. Yeah. You know, it's not, uh, it's not. And then you have something um, in eighteen sixteen, which is called the Great Cutting Scandal. The um, it happens in London, and the, there's a big gang in London called the Borough Gang, and they basically got the monopoly here. They a uh, bit of gang territorial, oh, not warfare, I don't know what the word is, but they've got like the little territory and they don't want anybody else to come in and, and use the cadavers on their patch or sell to the stir- surgeons. They basically provided in the in the borough, so the three main hospitals, they provided all the cadavers for these, you know, three main teaching hospitals. And 
as they knew that the value of their commodity, so they try and increase the price ever so ever so gently. The surgeons are like, well, no, actually, we're going to get the the bodies from somebody else at a cheaper price. This is heard of, obviously, and um, the gang go in and slash the cadavers so that they're no use to the anatomists anymore and cause such turmoil, basic, and, and, and uproar that the, the, because they wanted the prices come in, that the anatomists had no other choice but to say, well, okay, we'll agree to your, we'll agree to your demands. And it rose up to six guineas. So that's about 280 pounds thereabouts. So say about 280, 300 pounds. Mm-hmm. So it is slowly creeping up. And then you get the next wave. So then it kind of dipped, not in popularity. That's the wrong. Is this dead body extortion? Yeah. Absolutely. I really want them. Yeah. Then give me the absolutely. money. Absolutely. Show me the money. Show me them. Absolutely. So they've got the Borough Gang in, in London are fascinating. I don't know if you've if you've seen or, or heard of the Diary of a Resurrectionist. It was written by one of the gang members, Joseph or Joshua Naples. And it covers um, from November 1811 to December 1812. It only consists of 16 pages. But basically, it's his it's a diary of their escapades, who they sold to, how many bodies they lifted, when they shipped them up to Edinburgh, um, how much money they got. There's even one account where um, they tried to go to go out body snatching for the night and they couldn't get the horse and cart out the stable. The horse wouldn't move, uh, which I think is fabulous. Um, but that is that shows you the the quantities, the prices that are that are paid. I mean, I've just got it open on on my desk here now. Um, and so, look, on January the second, eighteen twelve, they went to St Thomas's, which is a big big hospital in London, and they got paid seven pounds seventeen shillings and sixpence. For one adult, which was, yeah, so if you think, so in 1828, when Burke and Hare are selling their cadavers, they're getting around eight to ten pounds usually. So it's not too far, not too far off there. There are, um, here we go, there's another one here on the I have to just rewind just quick. Do you have this open on your laptop or do you actually have a physical copy? I've got, I've got a copy. So I'd have to tell you. I love it. It, <laughs> so I was just like, let let's look at this diary, and then I'm imagining this man in like the 17th oh, century you know. who's like, dear diary. <laughs> Today, I got paid a no, lot. I'll send you. I don't know if you put a link up for 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 listeners or anything. It's it is available free on the internet. Oh yeah, I, I do I have links on my website. Um, um, I, I actually did read that. And I was amazed by it yeah. because, you know, I'm a, I'm a girl of the 1990s. I have my hot pink diary that I was writing about boys. And then I'm just imagining this body snatcher in England <laughs> doing the same thing. So, yeah, I'll definitely throw yeah. that up. So, and I think you can, you can, I think they're not printed on demand, but it's a, it's a, it's a, not a proper, what you see on the internet, you can get a printed version of. I, I use both just for, for ease. I'm a I'm a big annotator, um, and it's I've just got notes all over the all over the place. Um, like like the page that I'm on now, there I've got down at Christmas. They're they're off Christmas Day and Boxing Day in eighteen um, um, eleven. You'll be pleased to know. <laughs> but on the twenty seventh, they went straight back out and had a look at five o'clock, 
and they got a large. So there's a scale, there's a sliding scale uh, for cadavers, uh, certainly around this time. They're also called Things. So Things for the Surgeon, another great book, actually, that uh, that is around. But they're called Things. Um, Burke and Hare called them Shots, probably because they were murderers and not body snatchers. But Things, so instead of calling them cadavers, let's call them Things, get into the, the zone a bit more. And, and there was a sliding scale. So um, you had a large, which was an adult an, ad, an adult body so it's anything over three feet really and so when we're talking about the four pounds four shillings that was really for an adult uh, thing and then anything below there was um a large small a small or a fetus and that was priced per inch okay so there is a, a sliding scale now i haven't actually found out what price per inch you would have got which is quite interesting so i will do one day you never know. I study this stuff, <laughs> live and breathe the old body snatching. But <laughs> I get this image of walking into a place to sell your body that you've dug up, and there's a chart on the wall with today's going <laughs> rates. You know, I mean, <laughs> just stand here. <laughs> yeah, let's so, say that I want to start a body snatching gang, and <laughs> Ro and I, we hear that we're going to make a lot of money. Uh-huh. We've got this scale now. We both have never grabbed a body out of a grave. Could you give us a little bit of a 101 of how we get that grave? And body now we out arrive to the grave? story. Absolutely. <laughs> Where Shelley's interested. How do I get my hands on a body? Okay, so let's let's go right from the scout, which would be let's take you on a Sunday to a churchyard um, in probably let's go central London, just because it's a bit more congested down there and you're moseying around you could either do it um by wandering around the perimeters of the wall have a look uh, or send your your lady in like we said before and you clock the mound in the middle of the graveyard and you think right that's my next target there's a few things that you need to have a look at do you see if there's anything um over the top of it now you you mentioned mort stones and caged lairs and 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 mort saves now that's a scottish thing so we can do your Scottish version of this as well if you want to. Yeah, go right ahead because that stuff I found that. really interesting. I yeah, love yeah. It. So the, the the Londoner version of our gang and the Scottish <laughs> so, version. Yeah, yeah, pretty, mainly for prevention. So they've still got them out the, the same way, but prevention. So you don't really get, well, you don't get mort safes in uh, London. You get your watch houses and the watch and cemetery guns are, are bigger in London than they are in uh, in Scotland. So that's basically a, a gun uh, that was used for poaching, really. And that would have been put on top of the freshly filled grave with trip wires hanging um, positioned across the mound. And the mouth of the gun would have been facing out. So as soon as you tripped on a trip wire, you, you triggered it. It would have sh- uh, fired off a of, uh, you know, volley of uh, bullets. And that would have been it. There is a, a student body snatcher in Perth, in um, Scotland, that was killed that way. And they took the a group of three students and they took uh, their dead friend. And, you know, um, the three-legged, where you tie your legs together, the three-legged race. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They slung, like, you know, did that with him and took him back to their digs. Um, I like to think that maybe he was up on the anatomist's table the next day. Maybe he's not of their school, but certainly another school. Um, 
All I'm thinking about is weekend at Bernie's right now, by the way, so. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I digress. Bro, we need to make money. (laughs) Yes. Focus, Ro. We need money. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) So so we've scouted it out. You've got to have a look to see if there's anything on the grave. So your cemetery gun. If there is, the lady that um, went round um, for the scouting operation earlier that day, she'll have made a note of it she'll have told the gang members you know there's a trip wire she will also um have made a note if there's any poor prevention on there so the poor um couldn't afford the things like the caged lairs and the and the mort safes and mort stones so bless them and this this is i find this quite quite sad actually they put little piles of either stones or sticks onto the grave or strategically placed flowers so that they would come the next day and say oh there haven't been it hasn't been disturbed you know my my loved one's still in the grave but all that happened was the they made a, a little sketch of of what the the pile looked like and just put it back in exactly the same place that they found it it acts more like a bit like a belisha beacon to say hey you know there's a new one in here kind of kind of thing mm-hmm. so you found your body uh, things did go wrong, so you could have dug up a, a, a dodgy, a dodgy thing, something that was a little less unfresh. But you found it, and there's, there was the thought going around uh, during the time that they would have dug um, a tunnel down to the coffin. So, like a few feet away, they would have dug a tunnel on an angle um, and climbed down into the wriggled into the hole and opened the coffin at uh, the, the either the head or the foot end. And pull the cadaver out that way, wiggling back. Now, it's since after body snatching died down, it came about that, no, actually, that isn't the way. And that way was probably put out to, to stop any would-be rivals body snatching uh, the wares. What actually happened was they went in through the fresh soil because it's so much quicker. They would have dug down at the head end and piled that soil onto the foot end. And then they would have got um, some sacking and placed it over um, like the top of the coffin once they'd reached it. They would have dug with a wooden shovel, by the way, so they didn't hear any any noise. Um, if they got down and they discovered that stones or straw had been incorporated into the soil, that would have slowed the process a bit. So, you know, it's it's not the end of the world, but it's not really ideal. <laughs> another poor body, <laughs> another poor body snatching prevention. So you've hit your, you, you've hit your coffin lid with a little thud. You've got your sacking over the shoulder area, and then you get like a crowbar or some type of jimmy to to break the coffin lid, and it'll snap usually across the the chest area. Then you would have got um, lifted your cadaver out. Now this is what we were saying earlier, where in America that sounds like it came under the chin with a hook. Um, I would have been quite fearful of getting the pulling the head off depends on how fresh it would have been i expect but pull the head off but in the uk it would have been ropes or hooks under the armpits um and um all around the neck again but i was thinking about this the other day as you do and i thought you you would have to have knelt down and actually get your face quite close into the cadaver's Ah. face exactly to Ah. put these things on either that or a blooming good lassoist so this is probably why you want to get to the grave really fast, because in the reality of it, knowing Ro and I, I would be the one stuck 
going down there, hooking up the ropes, and probably yelling behind me, Row! Not yet! Stop pulling! Yeah, this would have been right? a comedy of errors if me and you were to do this. Absolutely. But money's money. So, money's what money. do I do now? Okay. So, you're probably drunk at this stage, because a lot of them Very. take to the drink to, to you know... <laughs> Very. Uh, which is Very understandable. So. Understandable. Uh, so you've you've stood back. You've you've let all the corpse gases out of the, the the coffin escape. You've got your face down there with the cadaver. You're hooking your hooks under its its armpits. You've crawled out, shuffled out, and it starts to pull. You start to pull on the rope. And now there's was two trains of thought here. That is it a short, sharp tugs on the rope, or do you do quick heave? Um, and I do believe that the quick heave is quicker to get the cadaver out and it slips out and pops out onto the so onto the uh, graveyard floor first thing you do is strip it of all its burial shroud if you don't do this you're likely to to be if you're caught your um charge would have been a felony as opposed to a misdemeanor because the grave clothes and and anything in the grave other than the cadaver is somebody's property okay so you know the first golden rule Strip the cadaver, throw your burial shroud in the bottom, and they all seem to like bundle it up and throw it back into the bottom, like you know, at the foot end. It must have been a technique that they had, because uh, every account that you read, it says found at the bottom of the of the coffin, you know. Um, and then you would. Did they take the jewelry and stuff it? like that too? I'm assuming, like they they would keep the jewelry and the necklaces and stuff for themselves, right? Um, I mean, if someone recognized it, though. yeah, yeah well, I, I, you can get it melted down. Handcrafted you know? back then, yeah. and also I'm drunk, so yes, of course I'm just going to throw it back in. Oh, I don't just know, man. Like, I'm going to oh be looking God, for resale no. value because gold is gold. You can melt that oh, shit down. Now, yeah, there's that. <laughs> Gems, so, what's yeah. the truth? Can I tell you about a resale value in 1802? That um, the the man that wrote the diary that we were talking about earlier, actually, in 1802. His speciality was extremities, so cutting off the heads, selling them uh, as a little separate sideline. And um, he he was a grave digger at um, at a London churchyard. And so he had a bit of a sideline going on here. And when he was caught, um, he'd... he'd he eventually got imprisoned actually for two years for this. But he stole. He was imprisoned for the for the cadaver, and he also got uh, imprisoned because he'd stolen like the shroud and burial cap, etc. But it came out in reports that he tried to sell all of this uh, to an undertaker in a um, nearly as new kind of scenario. <laughs> nearly as new. Um, <laughs> one careful owner. <laughs> Just look at the freshness of this body. It's, it's like that Monty Python skit with the dead parrot, you know? Beautiful plumage. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I'm not wrong. <laughs> you're not. You're not. But we're not that stupid. We're drunk, but we're not that stupid. But, the, the, I mean, it, obviously, the, didn't, the Undertaker didn't, didn't. He obviously had a conscience. This, this one wasn't corrupt. Um, but the, the body snatcher in question, Joseph Naples, went to prison. And he broke out of prison. And the the best thing he did was uh, uh, um, he was sent to be he was sent to picking oakum, um, and his his previous life before he was a grave digger he was in the navy, and they uh, they they sent him to pick oakum as hard labour. He'd been sent to hard labour in the prison, and he built a he he crafted a ladder, 
while he was picking his oakum and uh, escaped from prison with somebody else, George Marden, I think he was called. And he, uh, after he got away, he posted back or he sent back his prison uniform with a note saying, I've got no no further need for this. <laughs> Thanks very much. Huh. <laughs> Which wow. I think is fabulous. Just the goal. I just think that's excellent. Because if you knew all the other stories about Joseph Naples, you'd think that's just, that's cracking, that is. <laughs> that is pretty hilarious. So anyway, so where are we? So we've got the cadaver out of the, the ground. Yes. It's laying naked on the graveyard, uh, on the graveyard floor. Um, you've then got to think, right, how am I going to get this thing to the anatomists? Or am I going to ship it to Edinburgh if you're in London? You're not quite sure what's going to happen to this thing yet. So you, there's a couple of things you can do. You can either throw it over your shoulders. Uh, I personally wouldn't recommend that because you've got the grey, clammy, ugh, your just skin of the cadaver probably next to your ears maybe it's the dank hair if it's a lady it could be flapping up in your mouth you don't know well um so what you would do is probably fold it in half um the ankles would have been thrown up towards behind the ears and you'd have tied it down with rope get it nice and flat and then um put it in a sack usually and pop it either on a cart or um on a um, like a, a gig, like a horse and cart, so leave like a sack berry thing, and take it to your uh, anatomist in London. You could also say, right, I'm going to ship this one. I've had a request. I'm going to ship this one up to Edinburgh, at which point it would have gone into a box, probably about three feet um, by, oh, I want to say 16 inches Um square so these things weren't coffin shaped they were if you imagine that you're folded into three so torso size really you would have been squashed into there no grace about it you were rammed in didn't matter if uh, your back was broken or, or anything like that you would have been packed around with sawdust or straw something yeah, else to I was absorb. actually can ask if yeah. you were shipping a body Way back in the day of not refrigerated, how did they hide the smell? Well, <laughs> they they didn't very successfully. Um, I have, well, gosh, I've wrote a, a post not too long ago called "Bitter Salts and Pickled Herrings," which is where the disguise—that's what they labelled the the barrels, well, barrels or boxes up with—so um, people wouldn't wouldn't look twice really at the smell that was emanating from them the ones that we know about the ones that have been discovered were discovered because of the smell or maybe mm, also if they've been left in the coach office so the the there's a big kind of like ex- exchange like a travel exchange or um uh, where the coaches would come in from London up to to Newcastle, which is about an hour north of York, about three hours south of Edinburgh. And then the coaches would have, you know, gone across the country. So it's a bit like a, a transport hub, really. And a lot of cadavers were found there or dis- discovered there usually because of the smell. Um, if they were left in the coach house, so awaiting to be put onto the coaches, sometimes... Um, body snatchers would have missed the, the the coach for that night, and certainly at a weekend they would have had to wait till the till the Monday. And the, you get a couple of accounts where um, 
certainly one that I can remember that got put into the wrong coach office. So he got put uh, into the southbound office instead of the northbound office. And there was a delay in the timings. And they went into the office on the Monday morning and there was corpse juice trickling across the floor, which kind of gave it away a little bit. Corpse (laughs) juice dripping across the floor. Oh, Oh, my God. (laughs) Bro, we're in a new business. Oh. I need you to suck it up. If no, I have I'm to not sucking up corpse juice. You? <laughs> That's not going to happen. <laughs> You're drunk. Whatever. Find a way to ship this. <laughs> People up in Edinburgh, they, they pay good Hold money. Hold on. What, what do you mean by corpse juice? Are these bodily fluids or, or how? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's well. That's the that's the only the only thing. I've I uh, have some uh, friends that are anatomists, and it's it's one of these things that I'm thinking, can I can I approach them on what this this could be? <laughs> I'm sure it's a yes, um, but to me, it is all the the well, the natural decomposition of your of your cadaver. So if you think when you when they're snatched out of the ground, they usually don't. Some are done the same day or, or night. Um, that the burial takes place. So you're you're looking probably, by the time it gets shipped and on its way, it could be a couple of days old. So things are starting to, to happen. There is, uh, you know, I think there's one account where I've read where they were trying to, to, to do something and the skin kept coming off. But I may have made that up in my ah, head. I'm not sure. Ah. <laughs> I may have. I read so many things that I could have linked some things together. God, so don't make when me I die, I'm going to turn into a juice box. So that is slippage, <laughs> and yes, it is a juice box. Oh. And so, yeah, really what's coming out is the bacterial breakdown of all of yeah. the different fluids within the body. So it's yeah, not going to smell good. But you know what? No. We're getting paid well. Row, so suck it up. You're not winning me All with right. this business proposition, sweetie. This is just getting more and more of a pain in the ass the more we get okay. into this conversation. I gotta yeah, dig I down care. six feet into the ground, I gotta bust open a box, I gotta use hey, a rope. I was the one that was down there. I put the rope down there. Now, sir, you're the one that's gonna yeah, yeah. fold them in half. Oh. And we're either going to get them to nah, the local for two hundred and seventy five dollars. Really? I mean, really? Hey, this is a lot hey, of work. I- I have habits and a family to support, sir. Now, <laughs> let's. We know how to ship it to Edinburgh. Are we going to get paid more for that, or no, what about the no. local London? Where would where would I take it in London? Let's say I don't want to deal with body it. fluids. So you you'd take it to to all these private anatomy schools that are that are um, springing up. So there's Great Windmill Street, which is a famous one. There's Marlborough Street. Um, Webb Street, gosh, all all across uh, across London. You could take it to um, some of the teaching hospitals, so St Bartholomew, Bartholomew, St Thomas's, uh, the London Hospital, uh, like the Borough Hospitals. You then uh, you might have a surgeon in the country that has said, "Oh, I've got a, an operation to perform on somebody. It's been a while since I've done this. I need a cadaver." There's nobody up for the job in the village, you know. I've heard, um, got in touch with a with a London physician. Can you can you organise one to to have me sent up? And so letters are, you know, little network of uh, of informants of kind of suppliers. So this isn't a guy standing in an alley with a trench coat going, "Hey, psst, come here, you want to buy a body?" You know, and he opens up his trench coat. There's a body hanging in his trench coat or something. That's not how this works. 
you know? So, wait, 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 wait. You know, the first thing that came to mind to me is that used car salesman meme. Oh, yeah. Like, at the top of the car. Yeah. Hey, I hear you need a body. This one. Got this old grand lady here. She was only driven on Sundays. (laughs) So fresh, look at them juices. So we're not being paid more for the ones going to Scotland. Okay, Ro, we'll take it to one of these anatomy schools. Now, is someone waiting for us? Or are we, like, knocking on the door and being like, hey, hey. Guess what I got? Yeah, is this like Amazon? A secret, a secret code <laughs> tap. <laughs> um, so so uh, quite a lot of the times that have probably been put in um, in like an outhouse or that have gone direct down to like the the uh, one of the porters in the dissecting rooms and he would have opened the door for them and, and let them in that way. Um I don't know too much about that if I'm absolutely honest. There's, it's just kind of like a given that that's, that's where, um, and that's probably because I don't study much. Once I've done the transaction, that's about it, really. I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure after after they've handed the money over where that's where, they, where the they go, or what they be, do though. with it. I've never really. It's, and I know that the the, the 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 dissecting room porters and they you know took them in. When you think of like the likes of of oh, Burke and Hare, they. Um, they were dealing with with a porter definitely um and would have trundled around with the with the cart themselves you know and tipped it out and with well, the first time they did it the the body that they took around they didn't murder the first one um he died naturally in well suppose yeah he died naturally in the in the lodging house and they took him around and he was still fully clothed it was like take the clothes off for crying out loud you know you it, that's not how you do it um so they were deliver yeah delivered them somebody would have been not waiting they would have left doors open and kind of been around the money did have to exchange hands there was one um big famous case in london 1831 the italian boy murderers now the fabulous book for that is um sarah wise the italian boy gosh um that's another another must read and they were called the London Burkers, so like copycat killers. But they did actually steal bodies from the grave as well as murder them. And um, they were they were found because of um, a supposed um, murder of the Italian boy or Carlo Ferrari, a young boy who used to be on the streets of London with a little white, white mouse. And he they used to um, get them drunk and... and um, give them laudanum and then hang them upside down in the well until they died and he they took them to to the surgeons here and he was too fresh and they stole him because they when they were paying for him they said we only have a 50 pound note and we'll we'll you know we need to go and get some change um and they said well we'll we'll take the 50 pound note and we'll come back with the change <laughs> Uh, like hell, you will. Do you, do you know <laughs> what I mean? So, <laughs> um, so the do transactions like that. But I think, I mean, certainly for the ones in Edinburgh, um, I've got no, I've got nothing to go on from. Um, we know there was letters sent backwards and forwards to from between the anatomists in Edinburgh and the body snatchers in London. Presumably, when the it would have to have been on trust at some point in the transaction. I don't know of any other way of the the word of get the money to them other than sending it like in the in the mail do you know I, I, i've not read anything that says this is this is what happened um 
So, Ro, obviously, yes. I've made this arrangement beforehand. So I need you to suck it up. They are there waiting for it. We're fine. We'll get the money. You can get more drunk. All right. So we know. Now we've got Did a brand new Did you have a past life as a drug dealer start. or something like that? Because you're flowing into this way too damn smooth. <laughs> past life, <laughs> sir. Past life. You know what? At this point, how about this? Like, you are far, say, far too into this business proposition than most normal people would be. Oh, uh, you know what? <laughs> I think that she can appreciate this more than anyone. It's real nice to talk to other people that have a fascination with these things. Yeah. And so you're just going to get into it. Now, here's my <laughs> thing. Let's say that I've conned Roe and I'm like, look, we ran out of money. Let's go. And we go there and I'm telling him, you know, this person died of a really weird disease. We're going to get so much money. And all of a sudden, I find a giant stone on top of the grave. Or like you were saying, um, the cages and stuff like that. Let's say that we've moved our business up to Scotland. You said that's yeah, where it was? Yeah. Talk to yeah. me about what has stopped us in our tracks of not being okay. able to get our drinking money for the night. Well, let's let's. I want to take you to the Aberdeenshire uh, side of Scotland. So on the east coast of Scotland, we'll go there first because they've got the nicest stuff, I reckon. So, and depending on the the time period. So before, oh, before say around eighteen sixteen, you'll have come across a mort stone, which is basically a big lump of rock that would have been put over the top of the coffin at burial. And it would have put have been put there using something mort stone or mort safe tackle, which is a bit like a, um, a little tripod that you use for your mobiles. Think of that kind of kind of design. And it would have had a, a rope, three ropes coming out from down from the middle with hooks on the end. And these would have hooked over your mort stone and swung it into position. So you need probably about five or six men to to maneuver this thing and drop it on top of the of the coffin, hope that it doesn't smash in the meantime. I think probably we would have placed it very gently. Oh, that sucks. But <laughs> it was otherwise, you know, a bit flat. Um, no use to the anatomists then, obviously. Uh, um, and the, But the body snatchers figured out how to get... Um, how to get the cadaver out because there was nothing stopping the sides. You could still access the sides. So you would go down, they would go down, and they'd break the coffin open and pull the cadaver out from the side and just carry on. So what um, it developed from there is the mort safe. Now, in Aberdeenshire, the reason I want to take you there is because they have some fabulous examples there. The ones I'm thinking of are in Clooney, and there's four, so a little a group of four of these mort safes and basically it's a mort stone with an iron skirt around it like a lattice frame around it that would have um sunk into the into the um the ground around the um the grave probably gone in for about 16 inches probably um and stayed there till about probably about six weeks six to eight weeks until the body is of no use anymore now, in order to be able to use these things, you um, either, not really so much early on, but um, you, would, you wouldn't have bought your own, but the parish would have had one. So you'd have had to have a subscription, you'd have been joined into the group, and you'd have paid a couple of pence each week. And parishes could, 
those that were nearer the the medical schools would have had a number of these so some of them either had five or six in some in some parishes and you would have paid your dues basically and uh, and had use of, of that as you move across the country so in scotland there's different designs so Aberdeenshire has got the more stone with the with the lattice round. It's very obvious example as soon as you see it. If you come um, well, like in central and then into the west, you get the the designs become more um, more like a cage like. So in two halves, and these are clamped um, like top and bottom of the coffin, and then rods are inserted between the the. the um, clasping the top and the bottom together and then inserted into the ground. So you've dug, there's a lot of a labor um, to insert in a mort stone. Yeah, you'd have say, the like, they didn't have cranes back then. They didn't have, no. like, the, the, like you just didn't go out with a backhoe and dig the grave and then do all this stuff. You had to do all this stuff by hand and, and exactly. lift these things into the ground. It, it, this was a lot of work. It was like a, a whole lot, lot of work. I would like to point out here, Ro, that you gave me so much grief about our new business venture being so much work. You could have been one of those guys having to put the stone on top of it to stop us. Actually, the clever thing to do would be to be mood lighting both jobs, you know, um, to be able <laughs> oh, to put the stone oh in there my gosh. and then go back. Then and, you would know which ones. Yeah, that would okay. be the, the best way to do it would be to have an inside racket or inside contacts with all of these places. Which I'm assuming from what you're describing thus far, because what I'm getting in my head, right, I know this isn't how it was, but I'm getting this vision in my head that as soon as it gets dark, all these graveyards are just overrun with grave robbers everywhere. It's kind of like, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like reading comic books. You get superheroes flying all over the city. Then you envision the city where it's just superheroes flying everywhere in the city all the time. So when night hits, these people are probably like cockroaches and just descend onto these graveyards. So... You know, do you have a situation where you go in the graveyard and you've got a guy on the other side of the graveyard digging a grave and a guy on the other side of the graveyard digging a grave and then you get into turf battles because, hey, this is my graveyard. Go find your own graveyard. There's all these things that are going through my head right now. Let let them run. Let them run because you're on it there. You're on it. Okay. Can I just go back to you wanting to be a bit on the inside? Yes. There is uh, in Lambeth, there are uh, a... Um, in part of London, a job advert goes into the paper. Um, watchers, so they they have a watching society basically, which is a group of men um, that would have stayed in the graveyard for about six weeks, just watching the grave and checking out, you know, anything's happening. Uh, Lambeth put an advert in for watchmen, and two body snatchers apply for the position, <clears throat> and they get it. <laughs> Sweet. Um, I know. Now now we're talking, Ro. (laughs) Now we've got a day job and we could probably sleep. And then we could also, oh, wait, no, you're watching at night. Okay. Yeah, but that's, one of us does. But, you're, you're, but if you're supposed to be watching and you're robbing the graves, then you're not actually. I guess he wouldn't have that job for very long then because if you got the job as, a, as, a, as the watchman and then bodies come up missing, then you're not doing your you're, one of those jobs you're not doing properly. You're either exceeding Sir, at one job and failing at the other or vice versa. We could just make it, you know, never report a body is gone and then make sure that no one can see that we've dug a little hole. Okay. Oh, they they were caught. They were caught. It was all of oh, a sudden. Darn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even though none of the uh, uh, so none of the 
the body snatching didn't stop basically so every night that they were on duty a uh, cadavers were were stolen and the the people that employed them were getting a bit suspicious and so they thought oh, well just have a watch here and they caught them uh, mid lift really um Uh-oh. And a little a little bit of a riot went on and um, one of them whacked the other one uh, one of the real watchers over the head with his spade and you know of course they went to prison but you were saying about um going into a graveyard and somebody already being there yeah about you know yes that did happen yes that did happen and a lot of it was because of your patch so you were they were quite um certainly this borough gang in london were quite precious about their little patch because you needed to return the, the the ground to exactly the state that you'd found it so that you could work it. It's basically your your livelihood. You know, if you if you um, leave the ground so it's found the next day uh, in turmoil, that's it. You can't use it anymore. And the people that were, were opportunists or maybe, you know, just worked on their own and, and provide like little... little um, uh, like local surgeons, they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have had the 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 slickness or the the techniques that the the gangs had, you know. So, there there are scuffles that take place, definitely scuffles that take place. I can't remember any, of course, mm-hmm. <laughs> but there are. <laughs> trust me. <laughs> so now I'm envisioning this like the graveyard gang battle going on, you know. Yes. <laughs> Ro, it knowing did, you and I, happen. we would end up like the apple dumpling gang version of this it would just not go over very well but it sounds like these people really had it down so i i just would love to hear more about that like did you have like identifiers on you for which gang you were with or did it turn into like gangs of new york when you'd like like quietly challenge each other so you don't get caught I think it's more of an un- unwritten rule really there's um gosh there's, there's... There's one, a prolific body snatcher um, snitches on, on the, gosh, I'm trying to remember the cases why I'm stalling. There's a, uh, one body snatcher is digging up a, a grave and he's making such a hash of it that um, he's caught, basically. And there's a £10 reward. The, the body disappears. There's a £10 reward on, you know, getting this cadaver back. And another body snatcher comes up and says, well, actually, I know where that is. You know, I'll have the £10 reward. Delivers this cadaver back to the authorities and they put it in, in like, you know, um, the, the, the outhouse or the vestry to, to get ready for the funeral the next day. The body snatcher that uh, is caught, he's sent to prison for six months, he's out of the way. Um, and the, the ground that he attacked is basically ruined. It's out of commission now because he made such a hash of it. The locals are, you know, all you know heightened alert. We've got to be careful. All the neighbouring parishes are subsequently be alert that there's body snatchers on the scene. Um, and so it's ruined. You can't use it anymore. But the body snatcher that dobbed him in has had the £10 reward. He also knows that there's a cadaver ready for the taking already lifted in the um, like the vestry or the, or the, or the watch house. Uh, and he steals it back and he subsequently sells it. So he's dobbed somebody in to, A, 
I, I half think that he was in training with them to join the, the gang, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and that he, he put him in prison, because it was nothing to go into prison for, for a body snatcher. I mean, certainly around the time when the diary was written, so 1811, 1812, your, your surgeons are paying for your... For your keep for want of a better word they're making sure you know they're giving the money to the to your family so they're not you know looked out so it's not it's just an inconvenience really to be in in prison yes it'll be hard because prison was hard then but you know they they knew that their family was provided for and you know come out and just carry on where that where they left off so i do think that this the body snatcher that was that was sent to prison that he was in training and that it was part of a grander plan to to get the reward money and to to sell the cadaver as well. So that's my theory on it. Mm-hmm. Whether or not it is true, I don't know. But <laughs> okay, Ro, let's just start uh, a pyramid scheme like thing. Oh my God, you're just you're just okay. relentless on this. Jesus, He's woman. On it. <laughs> I am. Okay, let's uh, we we make sure that we have a surgeon that keeps us kind of like a, a pretty housewife. Yeah, you go out and, and find we supply that. stuff for him. Yeah, you, we just have to make sure that. We don't get into a certain patch that's owned by someone else. Obviously, Scotland's not for us because they've got some pretty heavy stones and no. Oh, you live and in Utah, our Watchmen okay? Situation How is this going really to work, work in out. Utah? <laughs> hey, don't stomp on my dreams, sir. So, we can't be Watchmen. We got caught. Now, we need a surgeon. Uh, would we be better off in London or Scotland or Dublin where would you suggest we go for our enterprise? Gosh, that's a, that's a, a loaded question. I'd probably well, either of the three the three places really. Probably, are you still a body snatcher at this point? Are you trying to get rid of it now, eh? Um, oh, let's get rid of it. Why not? Get rid of it. Let's get rid let's of it. Okay, that. let me think. I would probably, I'd probably go Edinburgh. Yeah, because London, there's, there's a lot of body snatches in London. The the I have a, uh, a so all my, my time researching, I've got over 200 and 250 of these individual guys. This is probably why I can't remember the cases. I've just got so many. Um, uh, so it's all, and ma- majority of them are London. I've got a, a, a mold school series of record cards. Why and, is that? Uh, eh? Why London so much? Oh, I mean, um... <sighs> There's, there's, oh gosh, probably a number of reasons. The the volume of, I nearly said traffic, but that's not the word I was going to say. The volume of cadavers is the word I was looking for. Um, there's more people dying. So the, the, the more students. So we, we don't have figures for students till around 1828. And we can see that Edinburgh and London are both having around 1,000 students a year. Um, so they're equally the same, but Edinburgh is not as populated as London. So there's more opportunity as in London. There's more um, opportunists. So by 1828, your gangs have really disappeared. And it's little kind of two or three men jobs, usually pairs um, that I find maximum, maximum is probably about three. Where in Edinburgh, um they just keep popping up. They're just not as densely targeted. They're still targeted. Um, yeah, gosh, that's that would be my theory. And don't forget, so it gets in London. It gets so um, 
hot, as it were, that the, the body snatchers need to go further out of town. So the one of the Borough Gang, as time moves on, he ends up, uh, gosh, he, he flits around all over the country, but he ends up in Plymouth, so down on the, the south coast. And he um, ends up being transported. He gets too cocky for his own good, and he steals the grave clothes. Now, he's been going since about 1815, 1816, this body snatcher. So he should know better some 20 years in the business. Well, sorry, yeah, 15 years in the business. Um, and he steals the the burial shroud and is quite blasé about it uh, and what have you. And he gets transported. But the reason they've had to, they have to pan out across the country is because the the, the watch and the the difficulty of getting cadavers out of the city graveyards is too hard and so they're spread out where in edinburgh you don't seem to to get that um edinburgh has more the students are more active for longer probably in edinburgh um certainly dipping in and out before the professional comes in so the, there's a few um gangs operating in edinburgh at the time of burke and Hare. um we do know the night that burke and Hare. Uh, were discovered so halloween was their last victim um a body snatcher called mary andrew or andrew mary lees he was um also selling bodies that had been snatched so he was a, you know, a true body snatcher selling these to to dr knox who was also receiving bodies from burke and hare and we know that he had um an, an order in with with robert knox at the same time so but there's not there's just not the the quantity of body snatches there. So if you want to to get your body sold, you've got more chance of. Uh, not to say that it wouldn't be sold in London. Actually, always takers. It's always takers. Always. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Edinburgh. Edinburgh. Dublin. Mm, maybe. Maybe. They've got it. Yeah. They've got it pretty sorted in in Dublin. Really, there's a lot of transporting of cadavers from Glasnevin. Um, off to, to Liverpool and then subsequently up to Edinburgh so shortage of bodies in Edinburgh so they're going to love you in Edinburgh if you, if you take your cadaver if it's still fresh enough by the time you get up there depends how, how much you dally on the way up if you you know if you get lost of course because you're not going to have your you're terrible at this absolutely <laughs> terrible and I, I just this reminds me of one of the blogs that I read on your uh, your page of uh-huh the five rules that you must follow. So I would love to hear a little bit more about that. So like number one, always use a wooden shuffle. So why a wooden shuffle? uh, The noise. So you remember how I said that um, um, for the poor body snatching prevention, they would have put stones or soil into the the soil as it was backfilling? It's to stop down on the chink. Ah. Yeah, so silent. Now, I've read somewhere that they used a specific technique. I haven't found out what this technique is, but um, definitely used a wooden shovel. I've also read somewhere that um, it was shorter than a normal shovel. So it could have been hidden in your coat a bit better or secreted about your person a bit better. So, but that's not to say that they didn't steal them as well. So they would have um, 
there's two body snatchers in Peterborough, which is probably uh, not too far from Cambridge, actually, um, in the UK. They they stole. The, they were opportunists. They were hard on their luck. Their uh, was it their wife? One of their wives were, were ill and they needed some extra money, and thought, oh, yeah, we'll we'll steal this 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 body. And the first one that they did, the <laughs> as you do exactly. Bro, I told you there's side hustle. <laughs> there's an important reason we're doing this. You make me feel bad about providing for my wife. Oh my god, my children. <laughs> oh my god, what? <laughs> They call you Uncle Rose. Oh, my God. No. <laughs> anyway, so these so, two gentlemen with really sick wives. Really sick wives. Yeah, they they were like, you know, we've um, we can get we can get some money for this and quick money. You know, we, we need it. Uh, they stole a shovel from the local pub as they uh, I think one of them lived opposite the local pub and they stole the shovel from there. So it wasn't uncommon to, to steal it. I mean, if you think of these guys. There were probably thieves and, and you know, God knows what else when they weren't in the dissecting season, which is another thing that we've got to talk about. Um, so they had, to, you know, they, they thought nothing of breaking into a house or breaking into somebody's shed to to steal something, so they could go and do their their task, and they wouldn't have they wouldn't have put it back. They'd just, you know thrown over a hedge or left it up against leaning against the you know maybe the gravestone or something you don't know but they wouldn't have they wouldn't have put it back so definitely yeah wooden shovel <laughs> so what's the next rule then i've got thought... it up here actually is never snatch under a full moon yes let's yes. hear about that i i have reasons to believe why that's the case but i want to hear more from you okay <laughs> uh it was it was um to, so you weren't seen in the in the churchyard actually. Now, funnily enough, we had a full moon here the other night, and I looked out of the window, and I do a lot of thinking about body snatching and trying to to get it into my head. And I looked out of the window, and I thought, gosh, it is bright. Um, you you would have been spotted, you know, like maybe he's not in the in the churchyard, but even walking around the the country lanes if you're targeting a country site, um, you wanted as much darkness as you could possibly get so you know wear dark clothes as well would also have helped there's a couple of student body snatches just outside of leeds well huddersfield just outside of leeds in west yorkshire who uh one of them had light colored trousers on when he was uh, body snatching it had been raining and it was muddy so he would have ended up in a right state but anything to disguise and and keep you hidden really so full moon no now in the diary that we we keep going back to there is in the back pages of it a little chart that tells them when the full moon is coming out and so they know not to go body snatching at that time you know and you see some of the entries in the diary that say didn't go out tonight the moon was you know moon was too bright uh, and we'll call it a day so. That's when I stayed in with my very sick wife, Ro. Oh now, my God. <laughs> the next rule, never take the burial clothes. So we kind of covered that oh, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then oh, the always teeth. remove the teeth. the teeth. The teeth is a good one. I kind of like the teeth. So um, in 1813 in Glasgow, big famous case 
in Glasgow, in Ramshorn Kirkyard, the body of a Mrs. McAllister is snatched. She's the wife of a local wool merchant, and she's snatched and um, is taken to a... Well, is she? This is the question. She, let's just say she's snatched. Now, there's two body snatchings that night. One happens in Ramshorn Kirkyard, and the other happens in Glasgow Cathedral. And word gets out on the street pretty much straight away, hey, there's been a body snatching. Uh, you know, the the... the Constables are out. We're, we're on the look to try and find this woman. Now, a student, he hears this and he is unaware of the snatching that takes place in the cathedral. But he's um, linked to the the snatching that happens in Ramshorn Kirkyard. And he runs back to the anatomy schools in College Street to the anatomist, um, which I've forgotten his name. <laughs> You can look it up if you want. I can edit it up. I can edit everything. Uh, Medical professionals. They're so easy to forget. Patterson is his name. Granville Sharp Patterson. Anyway, so he he runs back there and he's, and he's, uh, he said, you know, they're coming, they're looking for the body. They're looking for the body. Right. Okay. So they, they just throw a few more, three more logs onto the fire and get the cauldron that's in the corner with some bones in bubbling up a bit more and getting that going. And um, they strip the place clear so they can't see any cadavers because there is a cadaver on the table. When they come and uh, and start knocking on the door that want to be let in, they uh, are kept waiting for a while. When they do eventually get let in, um, one of the search party is made up of this woman's brothers and it's also made up of this lady's dentist. Now, they think that this is... um, probably one of the first cases of using teeth to identify a cadaver um, like putting it putting two and two together because the dentist um, recognized the teeth or the, the the false teeth that had been put into mrs. McAllister's mouth recently purely because on the search the one of the students took out the mandible of this skeleton and put it uh, um, from his pocket and showed, you know, that this is this is bits of Mrs. McAllister. Now, at the trial, they say that um, it wasn't Mrs. McAllister. I like to call her the human jigsaw, purely because bits, uh, during the search, bits were found, like in tubs of brine. There were people, like, um, putting their hands in and, and swirling around in these tubs of brine and pulling out the odd different limbs like oh well that's two arms it doesn't matter if the two right arms but there's two arms anyway and they kind of reconstructed this woman on the dissecting table a bit like frankenstein and she was put together and they said yes that's her that's my sister uh turns out that probably it wasn't uh, even though she was reburied in the family vault she, uh, the woman that was put together back on the dissecting table was, was a virgin and Mrs. McAllister had 13 children, I think it is. So they couldn't have, have linked together. But that's uh, probably one of the best teeth stories that I know of. There's also, gosh, I'm trying, I'm trying to think now. <laughs> There's, um, God, Waterloo teeth, yeah. God, the the Burragang members of the Burragang head over to the um, to the Battle of Waterloo, and they're on the the battlefields, literally knocking out the the teeth of soldiers as they're dying oh. to bring back to the yeah to the UK. 
um, to to sell to the dentists because it's it's such a profitable profitable market, and that does go on longer than even after the after the body snatching is finished. Um, it does go on longer than the body snatching trade oh. is, is the cadavers. You hear of random random snatchings of dusty old corpses, really, where um, maybe his ex-body snatchers have, have broken in um, and stolen, you know, bashed teeth out of, of dusty old corpses to, to sell on. So not often, but I've read a couple, you know, of random attacks. But you always remove the teeth, like we said earlier, if you're going to get caught, you ditch the cadaver and you um, have the teeth still. Yes, and I see here the last rule, never dig up the whole coffin. So we've kind of covered a little bit about took that. Took too much time. Took too much time. Yeah, let's say let's say that I convince Ro. What happens really if I get caught? What, yeah, what, I was going to say. Where do we? I tell Ro we need to go out with a a, a metal shovel. We go out on a full moon. <laughs> we took all the burial clothes with us. We didn't remove the teeth, and we dug up the whole coffin. And lo and behold, we get caught. I'm sorry, Ro. What are the top five punishments that Ro and I will now be thinking about as we sit in the jail cell and he's cursing me out? <laughs> well, it depends. It's well, if you've stolen all of that, you're facing transportation, the pair of you. I'm sorry. You, your days are numbered on this fair aisle. <laughs> You, um, so there's two, certainly two body snatches I know of that were body, that were body snatches, that were transported. And that is uh, Thomas Vaughan, alias Goslin, who we talked about before. And there's also one that um, I have written about actually recently in Little Lees. He is, um, which is in Essex, Samuel Clark, he's called, and he uh, steals a cadaver and steals steals the the shroud and everything and he's transported and um he turns up again seven years later uh in a neighboring parish i think about 15 miles away straight back in to the old profession so if you do get transported keep your you know remember your techniques and then you can come straight back and carry on as it were so that's the worst case scenario for you if you've got a fairly lenient judge, because some of them really did understand that this was a necessity to to advance medical knowledge, you know, something had to, to be done. In, in, um, Naturally. Of course, the law's not going to help you, crikey, you know, and, and this is some some guy that may need your the doctor's services at some point. He wants you to, to have tested on the poor, you know. Um, yeah, of course. Of course, he could be fairly lenient with you. So your next, your next one is a couple of years, maybe six months hard labour. So you could have been put like like uh, Joseph Naples was, was to to picking oakum. You could have been on the treadmill. Hey, there you, you go, bro. We could come back to our sick wives with a six pack. Yeah. No problem. <laughs> you could. You could. <laughs> well, let's say I'm not that lucky. Yeah. No, you, you wouldn't be. What so so you, you could have had that nine times out of ten. If you just, if you, if you'd have thought, I've had a bit of a conscious and thrown the grave clothes back and you were just caught with a cadaver, you could have nine times out of ten, you'd have had six weeks imprisonment. 
which was not really, you know, you could do that. You were, you're not really getting punished. You may have, you know, missed your wife or husband. You don't know. I doubt it. But <laughs> yeah, I know I missed problem. mine. So, okay, that's not so bad. It, I could possibly it, have a it fine. It depends on the status of society, don't forget. So you're, if you're a, um, a surgeon that's been stealing, because we don't know what you do, if you're an actual body snatcher, but if you're a surgeon having a, um, having a bit of a having a bit of a go you'd have got a fine a slap on the wrist and a fine well that's Five definitely pounds, not us pounds, yeah <laughs> okay and let's say that uh who's the next uh least likely to be punished then or like the to have the the less amount of punishment would that be like a high member of society or usually usually the it was the the doctors themselves and the anatomists themselves so and this is why the the professional came in on the scene because in the beginning um the need for the cadavers was it wasn't as as great as it got to be because of the student numbers so you could provide your own um cadavers for the for the lessons themselves your students could have gone out with you um in glasgow you were digging up corpses to pay for your fees for your for your for your studies and so there was there was no real need for the professional to come in but then as the student numbers starting to increase and the the need for cadavers got a bit more the um the the taint on their reputations was starting to get a bit worse so they were like mm, hang on a minute if i get caught body snatching that's my that's my reputation gone that's my profession i won't be able to practice i won't be able to charge all of these people vast sums of money that you know to to try and cure them so i, I best you know watch watch what i'm doing they um i've never come across a surgeon or student of that for that matter because they had a they had reputations to uphold. Yeah, yeah. They're going to be future surgeons. So, And it's not their fault, don't forget, that the law isn't accommodating to their needs. That's why you call in professional services of exactly. Roe and Shelley. Oh, God. Exactly. You can still go and watch. I got caught. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what's going to happen to us since we are obviously not surgeons and not of high society? Well, you're 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 going down. If you've stolen everything that you've said that you've stolen, you're you're transported. So, uh, if we'll give you the worst case scenario, you're transported seven years. If you're lucky, like this other guy, you would have come back. If not, um, stayed. You may have died uh, on the journey over there. You may have stayed in the prison hulks um, and never actually left English soil. You could have died in the prison hulks and never actually left English soil. But it's not looking good for you. If you've got a, a lenient, um, a lenient judge, that's I'd let give you two years imprisonment with hard labour. Actually, it's oh, my, that's my that's my sentence. <laughs> and what if we stole the beloved granny that uh, Rob mentioned before that the entire community loved? Is there a possibility of the disgruntled mob? Yeah, 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 yeah. You would only if they knew about it. So if you've You've stolen the, the cadaver. Um, gosh, well, well, there's a couple of things that could have happened. Um, let me let me just think. If you'd stolen the cadaver, there's 90, I'm thinking of 90-year-old Mrs. Spark is who I'm thinking of. 
she was stalled in sold in not sold stole sorry in um 1830 i think maybe and she students um stole her and they they panicked and buried her in the the banks of the this bay in aberdeen and um so in the sand in the sandbanks around this bay. Anyway, they couldn't get back to her. And a few months later, she washed out of the banks and washed up on and landed on the the, the riverbank or the, the banks of this bay, Nick Bay, and uh, and came back. So the mob were aware of it, but couldn't do anything about it. If you look at Burke and Hare, when William Hare um, was was released and and you know went off on his way and ended up in Dumfries, he was nearly lynched. If probably he was lynched. So the mob would have got him there. There's big riots in 1742 in Edinburgh and, and rippling through throughout the whole of the, the anatomy um, period. Um, but we'll take you to 1742 in America, uh, America uh, Edinburgh, and we'll put you in there and we'll say that you have been given a warning by the mob first. You, They know, they've seen bodies in a... Um, a shop of a doctor uh, Martin Eccles is who you've been supplying funnily enough and he has had this this cadaver uh, spotted through the window of his shop and the um, the local people are up in arms and they smash all his windows okay they know who's stolen the the cadavers uh, you two, obviously, are prime oh. suspects. <laughs> no, not uh, us. They're after you. They go around to your house, especially you, Ro, and they 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 demolish all your windows and and give you a warning. Okay, the, the militia have come out and they said, "Look, calm down, mob. We've given you a warning. You do it again, and we can't. You know, we won't be responsible for our actions." In the meantime, the lure of of money is too great and you go out and you steal the for my body. very sick wife Ro oh my god go. okay sorry yes. about your windows yes. Yes. I have a very sick yes. wife because she got sick off of the bodily fluids that were on my body when I came home one night <laughs> no <laughs> meanwhile you've got into your little cart probably just you on your own Ro you're the accomplice at, at this stage I'm sorry I don't know your name Oh, Shelly. 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 Yes, so uh, I'm at home with my sick wife. You better you, go do you this are. job on your you own, are. Ro. Uh, you, yeah, you, you are. Um, and so you're, you're hot-footing it about seven miles out of Edinburgh because there's a little boy that's just been buried. Um, and you, you go and you, you grab him and you uh, get him under your arm and trot back to Edinburgh and are caught going through the city gates, okay, with him under your arm. So the mob finds out about this. The mob finds out about this. It's not you that's really caught. No, it's that's putting. Well, it's not you that's really the mob is after. The mob seems to seems to target anything that has that you've touched. So um, anything. This is still rumbling on from the body that was found in the in the doctor's um, doctor's offices, doctor's rooms. Still rumbling on. So anything that's been touched, so there's the the sedan chair is put on to the bonfire, and and burnt, and um, there's 
I can't remember if it's going to be your house. I don't think it is your house, Rose, so you're all right. But a house called Resurrection Hall, built on the proceeds of body snatching, is demolished. Okay? And you are um, fleeing through Edinburgh with the constables, trying to get to the jail before anything happens to you. And you you get there. And once you've been um, tried, you're banished for seven years. But you're a lucky one because some of the... Some of the body snatchers where the mob gets hold of, they're pelted with mud. There's one body snatcher that uh, has to actually throw himself into the back of the the police um, the police like cart where the cadavers that he's snatched are in the bottom of already, and he has to launch himself in there and, and lay on top of all these dead, clammy bodies just to escape the. The, the riot, the, the fuel of the, of the mob. But nine times out of ten, things would have been smashed and destroyed. There's a case in 1862 in Sheffield, Ward's End Cemetery, a corrupt sexton. He um, um, sells, well, he doesn't, oh, does he? Yeah, kind of sells bodies to the um, local anatomy school and... Uh, when they come back in to be buried into the churchyard, there's a fake burial process that takes place. The money exchanges hands for a fake burial certificate and then he throws them into this pit. And the mob, when they find out, um, demolish the house of, um, of of his lodger. He has a house on the in the graveyard that he's rented out to somebody and that gets demolished. And then the next night they go to his house, which is off site and... They take all his furniture out and put it all into one room in a, in a house and set light to it. His wife just escapes um, before it's too late. And so you would have been, yeah, you could have been, if you were caught, you would have been lynched. I don't know of any that were caught. So you could be okay. Can <laughs> something here about whipping? Yes, public oh, flagellation. Yes. <laughs> not, not many of them got whipped. There's just a couple of whippings, so don't get too don't get too excited. But that was public humiliation, really. Public humiliation. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nothing, nothing really. There's there's that one in Scotland that we've just been talking about the the where you you row actually that's that's whipped out of Edinburgh uh, and banished hmm. from Scotland for seven years. I'm getting that's the short end of the stick of this whole deal. The only thing that comes, <laughs> I, I'm just the only person that doesn't have to stick their face into the face of the dead body. That seems to be on Shelley, but everything else I seem to be catching the grief on here. I don't think this business plan is going to be acceptable for me. I might have to pass on this. So, uh, yeah. But row. No, Ro. there is no but row here. <laughs> well, all right. So it sounds like this won't be a business venture to be making no. some money on. I'm very grateful for your education in allowing us to explore this possible business venture. We've had better ideas. Yeah. Um, I do want to ask you before we go, though, and we can just do it in passing if you want to. Um, No, you're right. We've made many references to Burke and Hare um, without actually talking about them that much. But I talked to you through Twitter because that's how I I, I found you through Twitter, was that uh, Burke and Hare really weren't all that they were cracked up to be. They're just the most famous for whatever reason. So Uh if you can give us a quick dime store tour of who who these two people were and why maybe they have this mystique to them and why this popularity when they really weren't that big of a deal. They weren't, they weren't actually like real grave robbers. Yes or no. 
they they weren't grave robbers despite what you read um to me the only reason uh, and i think probably to a lot of people the only reason they are called body snatchers or grave robbers is because they sold bodies to um an anatomist at the height of the body snatching scandal so there's there's no never once did they lift a spade never you know all of these sensational stories that you read that they decided to miss out the middlemen and oh you know had a wonderful business plan and and um, save themselves some labour. Uh, none of that is is true. They were two Irishmen that that suddenly. I wouldn't say they were down on their luck. I think they were kind of ticking along, and you know, like all of us, a little bit more money would always go go uh, go nicely in hand. But they fell on their feet when their uh, one of their lodgers died, and they said, "Well, you know, we've heard that you get decent decent money for them." We'll go and sell him. And I think it's probably the surprise of the ease at which they got £10, I think, they got for, for the first body. Um, that they suddenly thought, well, hang on a minute. You know, we're getting this nearly life-changing sum of money, certainly weekly life, you know, weekly change of, of sum of money. And no one's really batted an eyelid towards of this. You know, we can sell these bodies quite easily. Um and it's it's quite accepted. I mean, they the, they say that the as they were trundling through the streets of Edinburgh with the with the first corpse on the card, they bumped into one of the students of Doctor Knox when they were on the way to see um, Doctor Munro. So they're actually heading to the to the university, to Edinburgh University Anatomy Anatomy School, as opposed to to Surgeons Hall for Doctor Knox. And it was one of Knox's students that said, actually, you need to go down here. So, And from what I can make out, I don't think that was a clandestine meeting. That was just a bit of a, you know, excuse me, can you tell me where to go? As these two feet are sticking out at the end of a car. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Again, money play fun. I'm not dead yet. I want to go for a walk. <laughs> You're nearly dead. Clunk. <laughs> <laughs> but there's no, there's no, I mean, you see them popping up in random random places i mean i'm from from north yorkshire you can probably tell by my accent um which is three i'm six hours from edinburgh and i've read a, a case that's about an hour up the road where burke and Hare was stealing cadavers from there and and selling and shipping them up to to edinburgh i mean and there's no you you read these things and there's nothing to back anything up with there's you know no facts or anything mm-hmm. so it's like for crying out loud you know they were murderers they were linked to the body snatching trade because they sold the bodies to the anatomists. So they actually they weren't out digging up bodies or anything like that. They weren't. Uh, they weren't the ones in the graveyard. They were the ones like actually killing people, and they would just cut out the middleman and just sell the bodies off directly. Exactly. Exactly. And when I, I mean, I, I, um, I've avoided them for so long. I'll be honest with you because. There's so many stories out there that have yet to be kind of discovered and retold that. To me, Burke and Hare have had their, their limelight mm-hmm. and their not their time because I think it, I think it is interesting and I do think it fits in with the body snatching um, history. I just think that uh, there's so much more to the topic than just Burke and Hare. Yeah. So I've tried to avoid them for so long and I've only just really started, probably in the last year. Start to to look at them and, and write about them and consider them as 
as what were they in the profession and the more I'm reading about them and it's like gosh they were really pretty gruesome I mean you know killing people and and leaving them on the the bedroom floor for a couple of hours and until the you know till they got a crate for them and stuff and it's like wow crikey that's a different level that yeah you, you know um is there but, anybody but I, that oh, I have to, I have to pick my terminology here is there anybody in the whole grave robbing thing that you've researched that really sticks out prominently to you? I don't want to say with reverence or anything like that or taking a liking to liking to, but um, like of all the grave robbers and stuff that you've researched, who sticks out the most to you that actually does that, that should be getting the the credit or more of the attention or more of the infamy besides these two? Oh God, that's a good question. Good. I, I think that the 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 Borough Gang has been drastically under researched. I think it's been researched well, but everything that you read really about the gang in London is the same stuff. And it's like these guys held a monopoly in in London, and the the things that you know that they 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 did it's it's got to be more than what we're just reading here so to to do all of that and then this this bit can't go on the record i'm applying for a phd in body snatching so but that's top secret (laughs) so i'm hoping to research these guys a bit more um when i get going but um Joseph Naples. So this can go back in this bit. Um, Joseph Naples of the of the Borough Gang. He's a, he's a particular favourite. Um, I quite like. There's a body snatcher called Henry Gillies, who is in Glasgow. He's quite an interesting character. He is said to have smelt like a corpse, which I think is is fantastic because he had a wife and a mistress, which I find incredulous if that's what you smelt like. Um, <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He, um, he used to have a, an iron rod that he used to jab down into the grave to see how far the, the, um, uh, the coffin was buried. Mm-hmm. Now, he ended up in Manchester. So he started off in Glasgow. He did his time in, in and out of prison. Uh, he ended up in Manchester. And he... Uh, was an articulator of skeletons, so putting, putting, you know, um, for the for the anatomy schools. And one day, um, he lived with his mum, who couldn't speak English. And one day, a little girl was going past their door, and she just happened to peek in, and she saw a um, his mum skinning something on the table. Now it's it's said it's a greyhound, but by the time the little girl had you know got back through the through the street and back to where she was going, the the story had really hyped up here, you know. Uh, and a mob gathered, funnily enough, mob gathered at their at their house, and it was discovered there was a, a like a hole in the in the floor. It was covered over, and in there it was said to be uh, water and blood. And smelt of corpses in a cupboard in the in the kitchen was a jug, and in the jug was um, like a, a, an unclean skeleton of a child. Oh, that he's about. He's taking his work home with him, basically. If you want to cut this out, this is fine. I'm not. No, no, I'm no. Uh, this is definitely going in. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> this is 
it's going to be this is a blog post actually that's that's going up tomorrow so it would be it will be in there um but he he is brazen quite brazen that you know i'm an articulator where the time but his mother gets gets arrested etc he um uh, she can't speak English. She's 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 arrested and, and taken to the police station. He walks in drunk a few hours later, quite brazen, like I'm I'm a I'm an articulator, body snatcher. Where's my mum? I'm taking her home, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot more to his story than I've than I let's use the expression dug up already. Oops. Um, <laughs> I don't know how else to say. That. Um, he he. There's rumours in the newspaper that, you know, like selling pies, meat pies to, to fairs and stuff like that. So it's no. his, Yeah, I think we've covered him before. He was taking the – he was taking the, – the, the story is that he was taking the corpses and making meat pies out of them, which is kind of yeah. like we're, the legend of Sweeney Todd, you know? Yes, yes. Oh, now, yes, now it would be interesting to see time frames with all of that lot and to see how uh, – who's feeding up with, feeding off who for want of yeah. a better expression um but that he's a, he's an interesting character i've also got the guy that um i'm interested in the ones that were transported um certainly the one that came back samuel clark he's interesting because he the second time he's arrested he is in court and he produced the but the the judge says to him like what's your occupation and he's like, well, I can't really tell you. He said, no, like, what's your occupation? You know, we need we need to get this. And he beckons the somebody over and says, you know, can I have a word with the judge privately? You know, and takes out this piece of paper and he says, I'm a body snatcher. Don't don't tell anybody. It's how I get my livelihood. And I will be lynched if if it gets out in court. And it's like, God, you know, you've just been transported for seven years. You've lost none of your regret or skill even in all contacts you, you know to to change your ways and you've literally walked off the the boat and started carrying on where you where you left off so there's there's loads of little little stories mm-hmm. do, do you, it's gosh yeah there's loads of them loads of them and and Maybe God, his yeah wife was sick. oh my will you, you give up on the sick wife thing <laughs> <laughs> justify my my awful ways somehow and make you do all the dirty work. Oh my god. No. No, no sick wife. Nobody <laughs> nobody snatching. All right. Fine. It probably wasn't that. He's probably a terrible human being with little to no moral guidance or compass. <sighs> I get it. So Susie, we've had you on here for a while now. This is the part of the show yes. where I give my guests an opportunity to push out anything that they have, books, blogs, appearances, Anything coming up, where can people find you? Because we've really just scratched the surface through all this conversation of all the stuff that you've researched. And, you know, and I I could easily have you on here for a few more shows, which I probably will at some point. Um, Awesome. So, you know, um, where can people find you and and what stuff do you have out there if people want to read or anything? Okay, so I do I do have a book out there. It's it's called Body Snatchers. Obviously, uh, digging up the untold stories of Britain's resurrection men. Gosh, it was out in 2016, so you can still get hard copies. I do believe it's just gone to ebook uh, with the publishers, which is a bit disappointing. But you can still get hard copies on the on the internet, and that takes you right from the beginning 
of body snatching, why it was why it started, takes you through the student body snatching days, how it was developed by the professional, and the my favorite chapter in there is catalogue of errors. So all the, the stuff that the they didn't do quite right and they got tripped up on. So that's there. I build not build on that, but I um take things a little bit more uh, in depth and look at them on my blog, which is digging up eighteen hundred. So and I'm across all social media as digging up eighteen hundred. I try and get something out weekly, funnily enough, which <laughs> I don't know how long I can keep that up for, but I'm enjoying it. So and enjoying digging deeper into things. Um most active on Twitter, which is where we found each other. Yeah. Sounds like sounds like a marriage. Um, <laughs> um and I try and put stuff on there a day. I do have a Facebook page. Uh, which is digging up eighteen hundred. So, and I'm I'm hoping to start a podcast. Whether that's you know kind of fit into into my time scale, I'm not hundred percent sure yet. But um, I am on social media, and then um, I've done the odd the odd chats that get recorded and put on YouTube. Um, the one that I sent you for the Churches Conservation Trust um, is on YouTube. There's also a link on the About Me page on my website, and that talks about the different types of prevention. So anything like the Mort Stones and the Mort Safes that we were looking at, you can see that in a bit more in-depth. goes on a bit of a tour around Scotland, that one. So Well, we're going to let you go. Thank you very much for coming on here and talking about this. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding. We're not kidding at all when we say that we love your blog and we really do go there and we do, oh, do all read this stuff. <laughs> I retweet a lot of the stuff that you post. I post it up on our show's Facebook page. Um, oh, bless. Thanks. <laughs> it's, it's just really cool to talk to you. And one of the things that really, like, you're really into this. You really do your homework. <laughs> this isn't something that's a passing for you. You're very thorough about your research. I've been wanting to talk to you for a long, long time, and I'm so glad that we managed to pull this off and get this done. Thank you. So, you know, um, I'm not just blowing smoke up your ass. I really genuinely do <laughs> appreciate what you do. That's a medical cure, that, you know. Yeah. What Do you know the story behind that, out of chance? I, I I knew it was something to do with that, but I didn't know exactly what it was. Is there? Do you know the specific reason? Oh. I know it's weird. It's a weird question to ask you, since we're talking about course robbing. It's Project Archivist. You know, like of course, we'll get bodies and then end up with ass. Okay. <laughs> so let's hear it. What, what, do, you, do you know the medical know. reason for it off the top of your head? No. No. Now, when you read it, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know that. But no, I'm not medical historian and so stuff like that i read and i think gosh that's interesting but my retention is terrible yeah as you can probably tell the way i'm talking about when i'm talking about cases i'm like uh well you know i can recall these things but my specifics so no i i don't okay that's good there's nothing wrong with that (laughs) (laughs) but i do know it was a thing and i'm not sure quite how uh, well i'm yeah the visuals that i'm getting right now are just not Oh, All right. Man. So apparently it is known as a smoke enema. They're used in the 17th and 18th centuries to treat bowel obstruction, constipation, strangulated hernias, colic, and even to resuscitate stillborn babies. Wow. And I'm not windows. quite certain how successful this is. <laughs> wow. <laughs> now we know. So go, go gadget Google. <laughs> All right, sweetie, we're going to let you go. Thank you again for coming on here and talking to us. This has been a blast. Thank you. Thank you. It's been awesome. Thank you ever so much. (laughs) Hello, everyone. Let me tell you about the Apple for the Teacher podcast. I'm Anna Thomas, a teacher and your host. 
So you're probably thinking it's about reading, writing and arithmetic, right? Well, think again. It's a fresh take on true crime, where you wouldn't expect to find true crime. In schools, yes, schools. You will hear tragic stories about murder, abduction, school bus hijack, student disappearance, suicide, kidnap and ransom, a school camp tragedy, the list goes on. So if you're looking for something a little different in the true crime genre, then Apple for the Teacher is for you. So join me as I present the bad apples. But until then, remember to be a good apple. Want to see ghosts in your own home, learn how to speak to the dead, or go on a sightseeing tour of hell? At Curious Publications, we take wonderfully odd public domain books lost to obscurity and give them new life. Shop CuriousPublications.com. Susie Lennox from the fantastic blog DiggingUp1800.com. Um, I really have been wanting to talk to her for a very, very long time, and it's just I just never got around to it or tracking her down. Because a lot of time when people have these blogs, I'll send out a message, and a lot of them are like, I've never been on a podcast before. I'm not sure if I could do this. And it sucks because there's a lot of really cool stuff out there. And a lot of these people don't get um, attention through media or through podcasts or like that. So me going into this thing of, I need to dig deeper. I need to find stuff that other people aren't talking about. That is still very interesting. Um, found her on Twitter, sent her a message, said, Hey, this is what I do, you know? And it scares me when people are out of the UK or in a different country because of the whole time zone thing. Like there's been times where I've had to do interviews with people at like four o'clock in the morning because that's the only time in the day that they have to record a show or what have you. So really happy I got her on here. Now, before we go any further, I have to say something real quick. On the Project Archivist page on, on Podbean, I have a listener on there that always posts my shows and stuff and I never respond to them and they go by the name Clock of Life. Clock, I do see every post you post on there. Thank you so very much for listening and responding. I wish I could, but for whatever reason, it won't let me log into and respond to comments that it puts up on the shows. But I do see when you guys post stuff on the archivist, on the actual archivist page, when we put a show up, I do see your comments and I read them and I very much appreciate them. So just letting you know that, yes, I'm here. I see this. I'm, I'm not ignoring what you guys say. Uh, and it means a lot to me that you guys post there. Now that I've rambled on, so Shelly, what'd you think? <laughs> I think you ignore my perfectly sound business plans made from perfectly sound sources. No, no. I know your husband, and I don't think he'd be very cool with this either. And, like, you live in Utah. This stuff isn't going to happen. You've got, like, what, two two big cemeteries out there, primarily big yeah. ones? Um Body snatching in Utah is probably going to be frowned on a lot because Mormons. Ugh, fine. Um, yeah, it's just it's just. And what do we get? There's not exactly a market for fresh bodies in Utah. There's not even a market for that in Detroit, where I'm from, right here. Right. Granted, it'd be a little bit easier to source them here than Utah, but I just don't think this is a really good solid model. Um, okay, fine. You get to come up with the next business deal or idea then. You know, it, it, there's just this, there's just not an Amazon for bodies, and? I guess. So fine. I don't know. I, fine, fine, I don't know. fine. But it was a very delightful conversation, though, nonetheless. Oh, she's fantastic. Mm -hmm. She's mm -hmm. great. She was like, I tend to ramble, ramble a lot. I tend to babble. And I'm like, that's great. Go for it. We're, we're fine with that. You know, we'll just 
I, I love people where you wind them up and just set them down and let them go. You know, it just it makes our job that much easier. You mean like other than having to step not in, not having to pull teeth. <laughs> Remember, always pull the teeth. Even if you have to ditch the body, you'll at least have the te- teeth to make some money on. I wonder how much. I didn't ask her that. I wonder how much a set of teeth would go for. How much per tooth, or how much would that? What did that equate to? You know, mm-hmm. God, the idea of having a dead person's teeth in my mouth. It's weird. But it was really common, though. Even George Washington's teeth were made out of slaves teeth that were pulled out. Mm-hmm. Not wooden teeth. Not wooden. Um, but I also wonder, like, well, it's not that far fetched because you have people that have bone grafts and stuff like that all the time from cadaver bones. Yes. Yeah. You know, um, I met a thing. I met a, a woman last year at this. There's this convention of oddities that goes around. And this woman had a table set up and she was selling actual jewelry made from human bones. And I was supposed to have her on the show. She was out of New Jersey. And for whatever reason, it never worked out. And then I never heard from her. Again. But of course, I was going to ask her all the litany of questions. Where do you get the bones to make jewelry out of? You know, how 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 do you how does a person go about procuring this stuff? And at that moment, I know right now there's a whole bunch of listeners of the show that are actual real necromancers that their ears are also perking up going, yeah, how does one acquire bones to do? Wait, you <laughs> have real le- necromancers? Oh, yes. They're, they're, I have people that listen to the show. I know two of them specifically that do perform necromag- necromancy magic. That's cool. um, yeah, that's that's I, I know specific of two of them, and I've never they won't come on and talk about it. They're very squeamish, which Mommy. I can understand. Like, come on, just, <laughs> yeah, come on the show, use a different name, do whatever you got to do. Let's talk about this. And a lot of people that practice that form of magic, of of course, are very quiet and very shy and very sheepish about it. They don't want it to get out there and let it be known or whatever. And I'm always like, well, what what does one do? to perform you know what what kind of magic does what is what is modern necromancy that's one of the things that i've always wanted to do a show on and talk to a person that does this not to belittle them not to laugh at them to genuinely say okay what is this how do you do this which brings us back to the whole idea of you know these people would take these bodies and they would bust these teeth out of them see i would i would have thought they were busting the teeth out of them to get the gold fillings or something like that but that probably wasn't a thing back then so you know. Yeah, I'm actually, that would be really fascinating. There's a lot of different types of magic and a lot of repercussions for practicing that kind of magic within those communities. Mm-hmm. So knowing the consequences, knowing uh, the outcomes and stuff like that, be a fascinating topic. But this was also pretty fascinating. And uh, I would love to hear from everyone what their thoughts were and what kind of questions they'd have for her. Yeah, post them up on the archivist page or find her on Twitter. You know, she's she's under Susie Lennox, so you can find her on you can find it on the body snatching page that she has. Again, yeah. another great site if you're bored at work or if you're just sitting around and looking for something to do, grab your tablet or your phone and check out her website and just sit back and do some reading. So thank you very yeah, much, absolutely. Susie, for coming on here and doing this. It was a lot of fun. It was great to finally talk to you. But um I think that's it. Are we done? Are we good? Are we all set until we figure out what our next show is gonna be with you? Yes, I must go take care of my poor sick wife. Oh, my so. God. <laughs> take care, sir. You too, sweetheart. Uh, this is Rojan from Detroit. Peace out. Shelly, it's up to you. Whatever you want. Bye, everyone, from your resident living dead girl. Peace.
the 